Good evening. It's that time again. It is uh, seven o'clock on uh, Wednesday, the 20th of May. Just in case you were ever wondering, because most of us think it's just Blur's Day, basically. <laughs> not a clue, not a clue. But welcome to uh, Coombe TV, episode 17. Good to see Tim Perry. Good man, you're still there. That's what I like to see. Dilly dilly, uh, everyone. Hope you're all enjoying your Wednesday evening. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim, uh, for joining us. And thank you, everyone else that's starting to to pile in now as well. For those of you who don't know, my name is Chris Dawes, part of the commentary team at Castle Coombe and further afield when it's actually there. At the moment, it seems to be on the sim racing. So thank you for the opportunities that we've got with the uh, the sim racing commentary. Um, it's quite odd getting paid for that, but I'll, uh, I'll go with that. But it was lovely to be with uh, the likes of uh, Nathan Nichols last night. Uh, Chris Mason, good evening on this warm evening. Hope you are all well. Dilly dilly, Gerald Howell. It is very warm, isn't it? And I've closed the window so my neighbours don't have to hear me chuntering on. And I'm not sure that was my best idea. It's a little bit wham in here. It's wham, the old mamma. But uh, we'll see if we can get through this. Hello, Matt Parr. Where were you last night, Matt Parr? You'd have loved the saloons at uh, Circuit de Barcelona. You'd have definitely got uh, done well in that one. It was a cracking race. So make sure you're there next week. It's Nürburgring for the uh, Rock Valley Automotive Racing uh, online thing. So get there. Russell Pointer-Brown, evening all. Good to see you there, my friend. And uh, uh, hope you are well as well. Right, tonight, episode 17, we've gone single-seaters. And it is the champion from two years ago. Nearly got it last year as well. So close. Talking of single-seaters, we've got Alan Slater one of the drivers in the most beautiful Nike Formula Fords. He knows that I love that car. Uh, and that is run by the, the, the guest tonight's dad, basically, in the uh, Swift Cooper team. Uh, Kieran Simmons, hello, mate. Good to see you there. Thomas Parker, Chris Ignor, hello, mate. Matt Parr, you fancied a night off. Few beers and money heist was on the cards. Okay, ask no questions, tell no lies, mate. <laughs> Ray Ferrari Nut Ferguson, this is fantastic to see you all coming in. Right, you're all piling in. Let's see the guest that we've got tonight. It is the champion from 2018. He's won absolutely loads of things. He runs uh, Drive Tech, which looks after the karting and the off-road and the skid pan and all those kind of things. It is, let me welcome him in, an absolute pleasure to see Luke Cooper. Hello, my friend. Hello, good evening. Uh, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. No, it's good to see you, my friend. I know that you'll have got sort of a bit uh, coy about that build-up because it's not your style, but tough. You know it is mine. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just got a laugh as well, is that uh, my wife's put, Hi, Chris, nice to see you. <laughs> hello, <laughs> hello, current Mrs. Dawes. She is downstairs somewhere, but she knows that I keep disappearing for uh, commentary and TV things and what have you. So uh, Nick Ramsden, Rory Miller, they're all piling in to see you, but... It's, it is a pleasure to see you. I'm sure it's frustrating you'd rather not be here. You'd rather be on a circuit, though, Luke. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the most important thing is that everyone stays safe uh, and hopefully we can all get back racing as quickly as possible. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it really would be good. I mean, if, if we rewind back to uh, 2018 to start with, I know, would, would it be fair to say it was quite an emotional year because it was a culmination of something that I have been party to with you as well, of, of getting that championship? Emotional, is that the right word? Yeah, definitely. It was uh, an amazing year up until the engine blew. And that was a very bittersweet moment because it was elation that I'd won the championship. And yeah, <laughs> we're distressed that I'd lost the engine and put the, the rest of the year in doubt. So it was yeah, an amazing feeling to, to take the championship. Yeah, that is literally coming around camp to take the checkered flag, just probably doing a Fred Flintstone out the bottom to make sure that you can get across the line <laughs> to get that championship. But uh, I love the comment. I said to you this earlier that uh, uh, our mutual friend Ian Salmon said that you won that in a Luke Cooper way. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> it, it kind of summed it up perfectly, didn't it? Because you sort of like, uh, you know, you, you don't always get the rub of the green. You go for the big, uh, uh, you know, extremes like that. And it was what not what you wanted. I know when I made that joke to your dad, he went, no, that's not what you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, take us through the emotions. You knew that it was there. Did you start thinking that it was possibly about to go? No, it was a complete and sudden. It was oh, out really? of the blue, really. Yeah, the the engine had been working really well all year, and at that moment, it let itself go. And yeah, it was kind of really, really mixed emotions. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't feel the engine was going to go, but at that point, did you start thinking the championship's going to go? Um, not so much because uh, I was kind of working out in my head while I was driving around making sure that everything was okay and I don't know I, I didn't think about the championship with the engine went um, I was just thinking about the rest of the year in the engine um, and because obviously I was racing in the national championship and other things as well so I it put all of that in at risk as well um, but I was really happy to find out I'd won the championship but still it was frustrating at the same time because it could have done without that happening <laughs> And, and not just the national, if that was towards the tail end of the year, you'd have probably presumably been having, uh, you know, one eye on things like the, I can't remember whether you did both that, this, that year, but the Formula Ford Festival at Brands Hatch and the Water Haze at Silverstone. Yeah, unfortunately, it, it did affect both of the events because we had engine troubles all through the, uh, through, well, both of the events, really. And thankfully, Alan Slater lent us his engine to be able to race in them, but... Yeah, which sadly meant that you compared to, you know, the Class A car engine that you'd normally have in there is that it wasn't the power you wanted around the uh, Silverstone National, was it? Yeah, well, there was unfortunately a few problems with Alan's engine as well, so it made it a bit more difficult. But it was still amazing to actually be out out racing. Have you, uh, uh, just a question of the fact that we saw that, that Alan's on there and he knows that I'm just obsessed by his, uh, his night Formula 4 car. It's the most beautiful car going. Have you driven that? I have not, no. I've sat in it a couple of times and it's a bit of a tight fit, but it's... Is uh, it? It is, yeah. It's uh, a lovely For car. you? <laughs> okay, yeah, so the, I'm not from, getting in that then. <laughs> from, the, from the leg point of view, because my legs end up sitting on the chassis. So I've, got, I've got quite long legs, so it's uh, a bit tight on the legs. At six foot three and, uh, you know, not a whippet of a, of a youngster, I think I'm going to struggle even more by <laughs> the sounds of that. <laughs> I'll just admire it from the outside then. Uh, but no, it's, it's a lovely, lovely car. Um, 
if, if we go backwards, first of all, um, you started in kart, and I know that you do the, you run the, the, the kart track or the events and the Arrive and Drive Championship and all that sort of stuff that we do, that you do at um, the, everybody kind of goes, it's the Castle Coombe kart track, but it is you guys that run that, isn't it? Yeah, we're completely separate to the circuit. We're just based at the circuit. Um, but yeah. it's called the Castlecombe Karting Championship. We focus the karting more on the Castlecombe name because more people know Castlecombe. Of course, yeah. I mean, uh, even when I'm running the uh, the racing school, I always make a key point because everybody assumes if you want to go and race in karting, you've got to own a kart, whereas this Arrive and Drive Championship, and it, it's done by you guys at Coombe, but it's also a national championship, isn't there? Well, the karting that we do at Coombe um, is rental karting um, we do occasionally host a round of a more international well more national championship um, we had a, had a round of the south england rental karting championship but mostly we just focus on home circuit home races more than anything no but my point being is that if someone wanted to get into that is that not only do you guys have the castle Coombe championship they could go and race regionally as you mentioned there nationally in arrive and drive championships that, that further afield it is quite a big thing isn't it yeah arrive and drive karting is uh is really big uh, there's lots of people that take part in it but can't necessarily afford to step up into into bigger things and there's lots of people that use it career-minded as well that use it as a starting off step to gain experience without spending a fortune it's club 100 arrive and drive i can't remember now yes yeah, it I is thought it yeah. was I was there, you know, when you're in your head, you're going, it is, no, it, no, it, it is, no, it isn't. <laughs> so I thought I'd check with the man. And the reason why I say that, that, as you say, career-minded people, a lot of people have spent some time in Club 100, haven't they? Yeah, um, all across the board, there's lots of different championships. Even at Castle Coombe, we've had a lot of people that have started out there, just getting a taste of karting for the first time, seeing if they like it and moving on. The most famous person to come through the karting championship is Jamie Chadwick, who's now the W Series champion. Wow. Okay. Do you know, I didn't even know that. That's bizarre that I didn't know that because I've met Jamie enough times and everything else, but I didn't know that. Yeah. That, that's cool. It is really cool. Uh, her brother started there as well, Ollie Chadwick, and yeah. lots of other drivers that race at Castle Coombe started off there, like myself and my brother and many other drivers. Yeah, I mean, picking up on that, you got, I mean, it's a racing family, isn't it, really? I mean, you, you, I th don't think you had a choice but to get into racing as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm actually a third generation driver because my granddad raced back in the 60s. Both my uncle and my dad raced, and then my brother and also my, my cousin as well. So we've all, all got racing in the blood and all, all wanted to take part in it. I, I mean, that is mighty. I didn't know about your granddad. What did he do? Uh, he raced a Jaguar Mark II and also an MGA, I think. Oh, wow. I love the MGAs. Uh, the beautiful cars with the MG Car Club stuff I do. Well, I mean, picking up on this is that um, your dad, Alan, obviously, your uncle, Martin, um, they actually set up Cooper Racing uh, in 1984 in Cannes, running their own cars in Cornwall. What's that about? Is that where Martin lived or something? Uh, they all lived, uh, lived in oh, Cornwall. Really? Um, yeah, my... Uh, they all moved about quite a lot through the country, so they've lived in lots of different parts. But before they moved up here, they, li they lived in, in Cornwall, and then they moved uh, to Calm, which was a bit close to some of the circuits, because Castle Coombe's the closest circuit to Cornwall, and everything <laughs> else is uh, a lot further away. Yeah, that's still a long way even from Cornwall to Castle Coombe. Yes, it Coombe, is. <laughs> it? Yeah, yeah. Get to Exeter and think you're nearly in Cornwall. No, 
No, <laughs> still got a long way to go yet. Um, we'll we'll come on to more details about that when your your dad's going to join us there. But the point being is, there's an awful lot of history there. Your brother, um, he Jason's older than you, isn't he? Yeah, he's five years older than me. Five, okay, and uh, and his success was more in the tin tops, wasn't it? Yeah, he's dabbled a little bit in single seaters, but he's uh, he won the saloon car championship at Cowskin, went into Fiestas, um, won that championship as well against people like Ash Sutton and Mike Bushell, who have gone on to touring cars. Um, so he's really talented. Uh, he's unfortunately didn't have the budget to take the step up that they did, but he's proved himself many times. He has, and of course, he's now focusing on his lovely little family that he's uh, he's building up there. So, if you are watching, Jason, fantastic uh, work there, my friend. Um, but really, in terms of yourself, the reason why I brought that up more than anything was yours has only ever been single seaters, as far as I can see. You've never been tempted by the tin tops. Uh, I've been tempted to look at a couple of things. I'm actually looking at trying to do a one-off race in GTs this year, um, oh. just to try something a bit different um so definitely been tempted but haven't been able to get a budget and a deal together to do something else yet anything uh picking up on that scoop that we've got here tonight of uh, the the potential one-off in in gts that you're hoping for anything in mind vehicle wise or is that just looking uh, I, I was just looking more than anything i got a couple of quotes for a couple of things which were quite expensive so it's Absolutely. just trying to find the, the right thing for me that i can afford to do well, if you were looking to try and do it in a McLaren or a, or a Lamborghini, you know, it's not surprising it was expensive, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, single-seaters, but if we step before that, good success in, in the karting as well. You uh, you won in 2005 the Castlecombe Junior Karting Championship. Were you guys running it at that point, or was that before it? No, that was before it. I thought so, it was. Yeah, we the, my parents took it over, I think, in 2006. Okay, um, and they continue to run it since then. Right, so you won that then. Then you moved on to the kind of karting we know about. Sixth in 2009's British Junior TKM Super 1 Championship. First at the in 2010 in the um, Wilton Mill Junior TKM Championship. Cracking circuit with Wilton Mill. Yeah, Wilton Mill was my favourite kart track. I absolutely loved that track. It is good. I've commentated on that one as well, and it is it is really, really quite impressive. And then it started chucking it down, and there's a couple of downhill hairpins that are very challenging <laughs> in the rain there. Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, so good success in the karting, and that's a couple of championships under your belt before you got underway. And then 2010, that was when you entered Formula Fords? Yeah, so 2010 was an interesting year because I was still doing the Junior Karting Championship and also doing a, a couple of races at Castle Coombe that year as well um, to okay. get started in Formula Ford. Um, so it's very, very interesting year trying to adjust from Formula Ford to kart. It, well, <laughs> some people say there's a degree of similarity between them, isn't there? There is, yeah. Um, they're both what I'd call racing cars and racing carts. You, you generally take the same similar lines and handling is similar it's obviously not the same but it's quite relatable so things you learn in karting you can definitely transfer across just uh apologies that wasn't supposed to get rid of you that's supposed to come out like that i mean y you look at that <laughs> I mean, i'm probably probably bringing back the uh the, the desire to get back out there racing again isn't it look yeah at definitely that. I mean, 
because that's what I love about commentating on Formula Fords. That closeness is the norm. Normally, even more than that in the train. So I think there's a lot of similarities with karting. Of course, there's no wings, there's no slick, so it is mechanical grip. And I think it's a, it's one of those things that a, a, you know an aspiring professional driver should not be missing out this step. Yes, definitely. You can learn so much racecraft from karting, which is something you really need when you step into cars. Because um, generally, if you make a slight mistake or end up with contact with someone, um, it's going to be quite expensive. If you can learn those mistakes in karting, it won't be anywhere near as expensive. And then step into this so that you're now going quicker, you're on the bigger circuits, but you've still got that mechanical grip rather than all the aids to help you. Uh, I know that um, uh, a Formula Ford um, driver that uh, is, is someone that I rated massively, I'm just checking to make sure. Um, I'm not going to mention him by name, actually. <laughs> I'm going to. It was a, a Scottish driver that I rate incredibly highly in Formula Fords. And then he went up into Formula Four, as was, um, when it was like what is now Formula Three. <laughs> yeah, it all gets a bit confusing. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. Uh, but the point being is it was wings and slicks. And he had done Formula Fords and with great success. So suddenly he was in these cars. And they got to the first race of that season where there was torrential rain. All these other drivers that he was against that, that had jumped straight from Carton into Wings and Slicks, they couldn't control this thing uh, in the wet. He absolutely romped it because he was just nailing it because he was able to feel that mechanical grip, you know, f driving by your bum. Yes. Um, Former Ford is brilliant for teaching that in a car. Um, just teaching you how to control the grip. And with driving in the wet on treaded tyres, there isn't much grip out there. So when you step into a car with wets on and you've all of a sudden got a lot more grip, it, it seems that a little bit easier. Yeah, absolutely. But you need to get used to it. I think that was the biggest one that he really romped it, is that it started raining halfway through a race. So they were still out there on slicks and it caught them out. And he was able to just still kind of, to some extent, keep it on the on the black stuff, whereas yes. everyone else, no chance. <laughs> Off they go. <laughs> Because yeah. you learn how to control the out of control, which is why it's good that you guys run the skid pan as well. That's controlling the out of control as well. <laughs> yes, definitely. So the skid pan um, focuses on teaching people how to control slides. It's more based on road driving. Um, but we do do events for Catrum, the, the drivers that come through Catrum to do their arts tests and things like that. So it's, it is great to, to teach that, but people haven't much experience. Well, I've always, you know, if I was going to get into racing when I was younger, my dad and I would be sat up at quarry and the amount of people that suddenly start losing it and then jump on the brakes and then wonder why it spits them straight on into the barriers. And he said, son, if you're ever going to get out racing, I'm not letting you anywhere near there until you've gone and done some time on the skid pan, uh, which I never ended up doing, ironically, and <laughs> I never got on the track either. But um, uh, university and drink and, and everything else got in the way, I think. And... Uh, but, you know, it is. You've got to be able to control it. You guys out there in these Formula Fords, it always staggers me. If anybody here watching now has been to the racing school where you get the absolute delight, if you do the single-seater course, you get to go out in the uh, the racing school Formula Fords. It is the most mind-blowing thing to go out in, in a single-seater for me, because there's no instructor. It is you. I made the comment that when I put the helmet on and I pulled out of the pit lane and I was like, what's that noise? And I realised it was me <laughs> screaming into the helmet, basically. 
But you, your dad makes a great comment when he's uh, he's doing his his bit of the briefing, and he says you can actually lose it on a ten minute lap. You can spin the car on a ten minute lap. Yes, very easily. It's... On the edge, aren't they? The whole time. Yet you guys go out there and you're actually with each other battling and it just blows my mind as, as a commentator, <laughs> which is why everybody hears me go up an octave normally. <laughs> and the wing mirrors, how how do you do it? You can't see anything in those wing mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we drive a lot with peripheral vision where you're keeping a lot on everything. Um, the mirrors do help just to see whereabouts the other cars are on the track. But it's... Uh, which side they're trying to overtake you at more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, because anybody who hasn't done it at the racing school, and I recommend it massively that you do this at the racing school because they're so cool. Uh, and I make nothing out of this. I'm just saying it from a race fan. I loved doing it. But the wing mirrors on the side there, and of course they're small and they're just vibrating away. And it's always the joke when uh, the people come in for the debriefing after they've been out on this and goes, those wing mirrors are useful, aren't they? And they just fall about laughing because they're just nuts. Surely they're not any better on the race ones, are they? Uh, they they're a little better, yeah. Um, there's, but yeah, generally visibility in the mirrors isn't great. <laughs> it's got to be six cents. That's all I'm saying. Six cents. I mean, especially you know, take us into the emotions off the start as a pack up Avon Rise into Quarry Corner for the first time. Well, the first ever race I did, lining up on the grid was mind-blowing, really, because you just wanted to make sure that everything was correct, got yourself in, in the position, looking down, checking to make sure you're in the right gear, and then you look up at the lights, and there's already two red lights on, and all of a sudden you're hit by a panic. So it's, it's quite rare that someone on their first ever start will get, get a good start, I think. But it's uh, um, going together as a pack towards the first corner, um, you just got to be so aware of everything that's around you. Obviously, everyone's trying to overtake everyone else and gain as many places as they can. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a massive thrill, uh, really massive adrenaline rush and exciting from inside and outside. <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, I've only experienced that from the outside. And there's, uh, you know, it's always the pack spectator banks up there to see it. And it is just a sight to behold as you come up over just dancing on the brakes. <laughs> I mean, that just must be incredible doing that because it's not just slow down in a straight line and round you go. They are literally dancing all over the place, aren't they? Yeah, and you've got to be so careful because generally Formula Fords, if they touch wheels, it's uh, not going to end very well. So you've got to make sure that you put yourself in a good position where you're not going to make contact. I guess it's, uh, it's quite a godsend now that we, uh, we, we've got the, uh, the rector cell barriers. Yes, everybody, I remembered the word this time, rector cell barriers. <laughs> um, because you can now go into those and probably carry on again now. Yeah, they've been a lot better at um, reducing the amount of damage you get, which is great for everyone involved, really. Um, but you still you still don't want to hit them. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. They're probably not quite teddy bear-like, are they? They're still a barrier. But <laughs> let's uh, quickly catch up because we've got so many people uh, jumping in with, with various comments. Oh, that, that's a good... Oh, where's it gone? Uh, Chris Mason has asked, um, did you ever fancy driving the supercarts? That is actually one thing I have not been interested in driving. Um, <laughs> driving carts themselves, the are quite a lot slower but the supercars drive around quicker and they do not have much protection at all and, no, they're in bike leathers that tells you all you need to know <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, uh, i don't know i feel like i'd scare myself in them more than anything because i i want to go as fast as i could and 
it's uh i don't don't like the protection on them much <laughs> No, it, it is, uh, I mean, I guess it's relative. There's probably not masses on, on the Formula 4s in reality, but yeah, there's a bit more uh, than there is on the supercars. I've had the pleasure of covering them on like TV and things like that. And it is just phenomenal. You know, you're talking like 160 mile an hour or something. Yeah, these I uh, have a lot of respect for everyone that races them. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, I, I love this, is that uh, a, a lovely comment by Rory Miller, missing Coombe that much that he's resorted to uh, Toka 3 just to be able to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw actually is that on um, one of the championships that I commentate on now, um, a, a Caterham-based one, PT Sports Cars, and they are using Assetto Corsa, and they were racing at Castle Coombe last weekend in the Caterhams. It, and it wasn't That's bad. That's pretty good. I've, I've never used a set of Corsa before. Um, I've heard quite a lot of good things about it. I know it's not. I've got uh, on one of the consoles, uh, and I won't name it, but I've got one of the consoles, and, and you, I could get a set of Corsa for it, but it doesn't include Coombe. It's the PC version, apparently, that's got it. You getting into the sim racing? I know your brother is. Yeah, um, I'm doing a bit on iRacing, um, just keeping myself kind of mind in a racing mode more than anything. Um, it's good fun, but it's most races end in a crash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, there was a lot going on last night in the race, I can assure you, all the two races that we covered last night, it was mad. Uh, just quickly, Gerald Howell said, where's Tom? Basically, Tom is incredibly busy now, bless him. Um, as you can imagine, is that there? It, I don't think there's masses to be able to report just yet, but we've, of course, got... Um, uh, restrictions being reduced i think is the right way to say it that means that as of next month june we we're going to start seeing some of the um private track days and things like that are going to start being able to run with massive restrictions in terms of social distances so they're managing that they're managing the messages obviously with his marketing mind um and it's not out of the question allegedly because motorsport uk is suddenly starting to put these massive documents out that sort of tell us where we might be going i think is probably the best way to say it that could potentially see us racing again in july we don't know bear with us we don't know but what it means gerald is that tom is incredibly busy uh doing all of that at the moment so he's kind of left it up to me i hope that's okay gerald apologies that we don't get seeing the big uh, uh the big hairy beast coming on as much but we'll see what happens i'm sure he'll be back uh nick ramson cooey <laughs> I did that a bit too well then. That was too camped, wasn't it? Uh, Stuart Tinker Taylor. Hello, mate. Jake Olden. Um, uh, there we go. Orange Army, Tim Perry. Hey, Luke. Good to see you, my friend. Welcome to Coombe TV. So they've been waiting for you, mate. They've been waiting <laughs> for you. Um, it's it, it, sort of quite a, uh, a wide question, but I'll put it up there. Thomas Parker says, how are you coping without racing? Um, by doing sim racing more than anything, really. By doing a different form of racing. Uh, it's uh, a good thing about sim racing is you can jump on it when you've got a bit of spare time and it's much more accessible. Um, and it's, and even though it's, you don't have the same feeling, it still keeps your, your mind in the right place for racing. And, and I agree. And I'm going to use the phrase that I've now quoted several times and people love it. And I'm not going to claim ownership to it. I heard it from... I think it was Jimmy Broadbent that said it, that uh, sim with sim racing, the cars aren't real, but the racing is. Yes, and I would agree with that. 
it sums it up brilliantly, doesn't it? And and I've now found that from the commentary perspective is that it still is incredible racing, incredible entertainment. I actually get to see a lot more when I'm commentating on it. So you guys as the drivers, it, you know, the skill of these guys is just incredible to watch. Last night we had um, Aaron Thompson won the first race, being, uh, who is like uh, ex-Fiesta Junior champion in the Clios now. And he was being pressurized by the 2018 uh, VW Cup champion, Jamie Bond. In the second race, we had Howard Fuller, the, uh, the British Touring Car, joining us. He was a bit late because he'd been out delivering parcels. I mean, it's just amazing. And, and you get to drive against drivers that you might not normally get to drive against as well, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it's awesome. I did a, um, a PRS eSports Championship. Um, and uh, the final round about that was against a load of pro drivers. Uh, unfortunately, I got taken off by Adam Morgan. But it was, uh, <laughs> it was good fun. <laughs> No, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I mean, it is tricky, you know. I mean, last night it was amazing. Some of the racing was just so clean and so good. I love it. I've just got a message through actually where we're talking about the uh, the sim racing and 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 I think the way we summed it up is that a photo through of uh, of a helmeted and race suited uh, Nathan Ward uh, and says amen to that basically. And and there, you know, there's a frustration for this year is that it would have been really interesting. There was. By the sounds of it, Nathan Ward was coming back to race in the Formula Fords as well. It's like get the band back together, wouldn't it? Yeah, doing great to have him back out on the track again. It's and that's the thing is that we've got the you know the usual suspects and people other people dip in and dip out, and it's just like a, a, our own soap opera, frankly, isn't it? And <laughs> were I don't know what your plans were. Did you did, had you finalised what your plans were going to be for this year? I hadn't actually finalised anything yet. Um, we were looking at doing coom and nationals but trying to do one or the other part way through the year depending on how the first couple went ah uh, that um, makes sense but yeah it's uh oh thank you gin has arrived <laughs> <laughs> so very much playing it by ear on on the budget available that makes sense uh, and obviously it's gone completely out of the water and we'll, we'll wait and see i mean I'm guessing that there's still no, you're still none the wiser for the rest of the year, where if or when we get underway. Uh, I think the way everything is at the moment, we're not going to do nationals. Um, we won't be in a position to to be able to afford to do what's remaining for that, and we prefer to just focus on the end of season um, Formula Ford Best and Walter Hayes Trophy, and hopefully do what we can at Coombe um, and see see how see what the calendar actually ends up at more than anything. And, and that's the key point, isn't it, is that we just don't know yet. And I know everybody keeps trying to get the information. That yeah, I guess the good news, picking up on Gerald's comment, is that it's actually good news that Tom isn't here because it means that he's starting to get sort of pulled around onto uh, a few of these different bits and pieces. No news at the minute, but we're, we'll gradually get there a little bit more. Um, oh, there we go. Another one. Talk about getting the band to back together. together. David Vivian, uh, hi, Luke. And he was hopefully going to be back out again this year. Yeah, it's looking looking like a really good grid. I think there was already twenty entries for the first round before before this kicked off. So it was looking like it was going to be a really good year. It was. I was trying to remember now. There was um, there's a guy. I've got a mental block now. Uh, it's been a hot day, but there was a guy that I know from the historic Formula One championship, and he's a, form, a historic Formula One champion, in fact. Uh, which is an FIA-run thing, and he was due to be racing uh, a, an older Formula Ford in it as well. I've got, 
mental block. Some of you might suddenly remember who it is, and please do help because I'm just literally I've got a mental block, and then no matter what I do, I know him. I know him as well, which is really annoying. And that was really interesting to see. So uh, fingers crossed, we'll get some race, and we'll still get there as well. Nigel Forrest from Alton Park, good to see you, my friend. As it is for Papa Pa, good uh, good to see you. Um, this is a good question from uh, uh, Tog Jeff Gendel. I will move this after and bring your face back in, Luke. But hi, Chris and Luke. Uh, Luke, is there any aspirations to move into Slicks and Wings formula? Um, and he says, Luke and the team do a great job at coom karting. Alfie, his son, who's a future star, I think. Alfie competed in the Junior Karting Series before moving to the Junior American Cup Car Series, so like the mini NASCARs, and had a fantastic time, very well run. So there you go. And I think that could be one that you quote in the future. I think that Alfie's uh, a star of the future. Yeah, watch, watch that. Alfie Gendel is uh, is a star of the future. But answer to the main question, Luke: Had you considered moving into slicks and wings? Yes, uh, the biggest problem with it is budget. Unfortunately, um, the budgets to step into Formula Four is just too high to, to be able to to make the move across. Unfortunately. Yeah, I know what you mean. How, uh, how old are you now, Luke? I'm 26 now. 26. What does that mean to you? Where Where are you? Does that mean you've you you you've still got the goals that you know? If you can find budget, you're still going, or it has it? Are you at an age where it's changed that goal at all? Uh, I'm still having the dream of trying to make it as a professional racing driver in some some manner. Uh, I never want to give up on that dream. Um, no, absolutely. And and it, 26 is still young enough to be able to pursue that, isn't it? Yes, um, but all of the options, like with the Formula Fords last year, they brought in something for drivers that are 24 and younger, um, for, which uh, makes it more difficult when they keep making the options to move up um, restricted by age. Makes it more that you've uh, more got to get your foot in the door some other way. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, the joys of uh, professional racing is that it's, it, you know, it could be it's racing, it could be instructing more, it could be, uh, you know, running days at like, say, Mercedes-Benz World, all sorts of things that it involves, isn't it? So still chase the dream and, uh, and I like to hear it. Martin Bennett, uh, the two-wheel commentator from Coombe, says, hi, guys. Uh, lovely comment here. David Vass, Luke, thanks to you and your family for all the fun and excitement that you have given us all over the years. I definitely agree to that you know i'm not i'm not favoriting anyone because i love you guys you just put on such an incredible show in those formula fords and of course as we say that goes back and how lovely is it to hear a comment like that luke yeah it's amazing uh dave's a really nice guy one of the nicest guys uh, you'll you'll be able to meet and he's, he's piece of the furniture now isn't he at castle coombe he's got a <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt Parr, saloon car uh, superstar. Wilton Mill is was also his favourite. Brilliant kart circuit. Uh, we might be getting into details, but still the Orange Army are doing the dilly dillies. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> um, I'm assuming this isn't the Alan Cooper. This is a different one because it's got a double L. And I don't think your dad has a double L, does he? <laughs> <laughs> but says, who's the fastest around Coombe, you or Jason? Wow. It's an interesting question. Um, the fastest in a Formula Ford is me. Um, I would probably expect him to be faster in a saloon. Um, they're two very different things. Mm. I know you haven't um, raced uh, a tin top, but presumably you, you've taken it round a tin top round, Coombe, haven't you? Not you fast, know? no. Oh, really? Yeah, never, never taken a tin top at speed round Coombe, no. 
which presumably, therefore, that tells me that it just does not interest you in the slightest. Um, I've. It's not that it doesn't interest me. I've just always preferred to look down the Formula Ford route, um, more the single-seater route. Um, and now that the options are starting to close on that, I'm looking more towards GT. And I think there's more options in a GT to, to be able to progress. Yeah, because you, the, the, the GT world is massive for pro drivers, isn't it, now? Because you've got gentlemen drivers that want, you know, youngsters that know what they're doing to teach them and to co-drive with them. And and you get two, three, four drivers per car as well. So, <laughs> no, that that makes sense. Um, explain to us then, picking up on that comment, that you say, no, it's always been the Formula Ford. What is it that you think, feel and love about being in a Formula Ford? Well, from my whole childhood, I grew up watching my dad race and my interest was in the Formula Fords. Every time I went to the race meeting, I wanted to watch the Formula Ford race. So when I got to the age of 16, I wanted to race Formula Ford. That's that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I wanted to progress from there, but it was always Formula Ford that I wanted to do. In terms of driving them, they're such great cars to drive and they're, they're light and you can dance them around the track and pretty much everyone that drives a Formula Ford always wants to come back and drive them again at another time. They are they are incredible but I, I've just always got massive uh, respect for what you guys do because I remember uh, the last time that I had to go in a Formula Ford um, was on a racing school but I was I wasn't hosting it, but I was. Uh, it was a time when I would have been hosting, but that one I think David George was, and so I got to go there and just go out in a single seater. It's quite a few years ago now, um, and uh, it was that horrible drizzly, so it wasn't properly wet, which I know all racing drivers hate, and especially in these Formula Fords, they're terrible for that, aren't they? But um, I went round uh, Old Paddock. Obviously, you come out of the S's, the first of the chicanes, and you're then basically on the power all the way around on Old Paddock trying to get back up to it. And the next thing, silently, I suddenly realised that I was spinning, thankfully to the infield. But I was like going, I didn't think I'd done anything different at all. <laughs> and whilst I know I'm rubbish, but the point being is that that is going to show the knife edge that you guys are on. And your dad has always said it, you can lose it doing a 10-minute lap. Yes, it is really easy to lose control of them, especially in those damp conditions when the track starts to change or when there's some oil down or something like that. If you hit something that's a little bit unexpected, um, the car can just swap ends on you and it um, can be really difficult to control. And, and I guess um, but, that's, the, that's why I love it, because it's with the steering wheel and with the throttle and with the braking, all of those things that you're using to really get these things dancing around and, and keeping them somehow under control. Yes, for drivers that don't have so much experience, um, you can rotate them around every other corner just because the, the feeling is so different to anything you've experienced before. Um, but once you've got the feeling of the car, you generally know how the car is going to react. And if it starts to break away, you know how to stop it from, from spinning on you. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. But what I will pick up on, I always remember another family that I love in the Formula Fords is the Higginses. Um, and uh, speaking to Richard Higgins, when he went from Class B, where he was incredibly quick, and he went into a Class A car to start with, and he was saying the difference was just massive. T take us through that. Yeah, so the, the older cars generally move around a bit more. 
um, their their softer chassis and they are a bit more forgiving. So if they get start to get a bit more sideways, you can control it a bit better. The newer cars are stiffer, and when they start to break away, generally it's a lot harder to catch and you're you're more likely to spin. Wow. So you know that, and the reason why I bring that up is again, it's this respect for what you guys do out there in the heat of battle. We just saw the photo of you all glued together, um, and normally side by side as well as uh, Linus Stern, uh, and and yet there's a difference between the class cars as you go through. The age of cars can make a difference. The conditions will make that much of a difference. It's absolutely massive. But you 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 would you've had such success. 2010 when you started in Formula Fords. You may not have driven the whole year, but you were awarded Castle Coombe Young Formula Four Driver of the Year, so they could see the the, the potential there then. Yeah, was, uh, as I said, a very interesting year uh, trying to adapt from from that. But the the best thing I did that year was the festival and the Walter Hayes Trophy because I gained so much experience doing those events, and it was really kind of a bit eye opening the first year, just getting used to how different it all was. Um, the biggest thing i struggled with more than anything was getting gear changes correctly um trying not to to miss any gears and make mistakes that way because at 16 i hadn't really driven road cars properly at all i was just coming out of karting uh, okay mind you saying that i don't find that the fact that we drive normal cars helpful because of course it's up here on the right <laughs> and it's just a h pattern was it four speed isn't it yeah it's just four speed yeah, so I was useless even with that. So uh, <laughs> stand by your beds, stand by your beds. The boss is here. <laughs> here he is. We'll pass uh, one of the headphones over now, and hopefully the microphone will work over there. Hello, Alan. How the devil are you, my friend? Good evening. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sort of getting a bit bored now. I've not been able to do too much, but um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's good to be in, in contact with people, really. It is. I mean, we were lucky enough uh, to work together at the uh, race school. It must have only been like a week before lockdown or something, I think, wasn't it? It's was pretty close, wasn't it? I think it was our last event before the lockdown hit us. Yeah. 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 So it was a, yeah. It seems a long time ago now. It does. It really, well, it probably was as well. We've been sort of isolated for that long. Yeah, very frustrating times, obviously, uh, that we're not being able to do the uh, the activities on the circuit, but uh, also everything with, uh, with Drive Tech as well as the race school. It it just is is down tools time really, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a difficult time. There's a, there's a lot of companies in the same situation as ours are. Um, the, the whole of the the leisure industry is sort of on lockdown. Um, but unfortunately for us, we can't really do much until Motorsport UK sort of start giving permits out again, and they're not going to do that until the end of June at the earliest. There is a bit of lot sort of a hope on the horizon because uh, at the circuit we're we're trying to get a few things with Tom. We're trying to get a couple of a uh, perhaps a test day and a track day organised for June. So the, there's a, a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel there anyway. Yeah, fingers crossed. I mean, we're all missing it like man. I mean, obviously, Luke, from a driver's perspective, presumably as well, is that you're missing it from, from a team boss perspective as well. I know you end up stressed and working hard, but you must be missing that as well, really. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like being on a high and then a low. And it's um, it'll be hard to suddenly get back up to speed again, to be honest. We're looking forward to getting back up to speed, but... It, it's sort of after this amount of time, just sort of plodding along. And uh, well, in fairness, we've been pretty busy. We just can't earn any money. No. But we're just trying to do bits and pieces. And, and at the moment, we're doing so much stuff with health and safety and getting things into place ready for when we hopefully will restart. But it, to, to be honest, for most companies like us, it's more about still surviving through it. So we're still there to 
try and do something at the end of it because it's pretty tough financially for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. That's an area that we can't address, but what I can do with you is that uh, you've got some fantastic history, uh, both in racing in general and obviously a, a lot of experience at Castle Coombe, seeing a lot of changes over the year, presumably, of the circuit. Yeah, yeah, there's been so many changes. It's only when you look at a photograph of the circuit effectively in the early 80s that you suddenly realise how much it's changed and, and in fairness, how far safety has come on. So, yeah, it's a bit of a shock to the system when you look back. Yeah, it's amazing that we eventually found out that those little uh, uh, strands of metal going between wooden poles wasn't that secure, really, isn't it? No, it's a bit of a shock, that, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. But the biggest thing that interests me is that, um, you know, if you haven't uh, seen it, I'm going to just quickly uh, change what I've got, got up, actually, because uh, I should now put this banner up. Has that worked? That's not come up for some reason. Let me hide that one and put this one up oh that's why that's gone as let me just sorry i'm going to change that to a scroll and i'm now going to put that there we go luke and alan cooper now and we've got the swiftcooper.com website go and have a look at it because it is the uh, the team swift cooper obviously run by yourself but it's the story behind that that i love is that you guys uh, you and your brother uh, martin set up cooper racing way back in 1984 yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's it's a long time ago now. Um, Sorry to remind you about that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just feeling older now. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> but um, that was uh, you, you guys actually. What was it in 1985? You produced your first Cooper Formula Ford. So it wasn't just jumping into existing Formula Fords. You actually built your own design. Yeah, that that came from um, in a way by accident initially because we had a. In, in '84, we we had we were running what was then one of the top chassis, which was the Reynard chassis. We started before that, but that's when we set up the race team. Right. But we started in racing in sort of '81, '82, so we'd been in it a little while. Um, and the '84 chassis was a very, very good chassis, the Reynard chassis, and it won a lot of races. In '85, in conjunction with Reynard, we we agreed to take on their new car, which was an '85 Reynard, which was probably the biggest disaster car that's ever been built. And just uh, it was sort of a second a lap quick, sort of slower than anything anybody had ever driven. Wow. And it was that that uh, we then decided we then did a lot of modifications to make the car work. And in the end, we thought, well, why don't we build our own car? And that's really what started us off. I mean, that I mean, I, I guess the joys of the Formula Ford is that it's, you know, it, it is. I'm going to use the word basic. That doesn't do it justice. But I think you know what I mean. And you could actually get the spanners out and you could do something with it rather than it all being enclosed electronic gubbins. There's, and, and it opened up that potential to do that kind of thing. But still a big ask. Yeah, well, I think one of the sad things about motorsport is the way the training ground has sort of been taken away. Now there's now there's a lot of one-make championships. And it's not just for the manufacturers and the and, and people like that. It's also the mechanics and everything, because a lot of the one-make championships, there isn't a lot they can do to the car, so they don't learn how to set them up. They don't learn how to change things because they're not allowed to change things because it's a one-make situation. And if you look at a lot of the Formula 1 designers that are in Formula 1 now, or certainly up until a few years ago, they'd all come through Formula Ford and design things like Formula Ford, and there isn't that avenue to go through now because it's all... You know, the, the technology involved now is, is so big, and the same with engines. It's like a road car now. You know, when we were all younger, it was easy to pack, you know, your car broke down at the side of the road. You'd normally be able to do something with it. 
now if it yeah. breaks down you've had it <laughs> so yeah you plug a laptop into it yeah, now, exactly, whereas yeah. i used to be down the scrapyard and going three cars up to sort of undo something from that car that would fit on mine exactly then were the days then were the days yeah. now you're showing your age <laughs> i know i just realized that halfway through that was really bad <laughs> but um yeah and, and and in fairness that's why wiltshire college uh, are still absolutely committed to the formula fords is because of the uh, i would imagine uh, david campion if you're on i'm sure he would confirm it but it it's something that they can actually get lost in the car, can't they? Properly. There's so much learning to do in it because there's a lot of a lot of the stuff in the Formula Four is quite high tech now as well because they all run data logging systems, so that all of that side of it's covered. You'll analyze all the data afterwards, so there's everything there. It's great for drivers to learn, but it's great because the anybody that's learning, trying to learn the trade, they can learn so much from the formula ford and all the geometry is different and it's all different cars so it's different on every car so you can't just copy the other the other person we think it's quite funny sometimes we're at some of the big race meetings uh, happens at coombe as well but you go to the big end of year race meetings and there's people putting blankets over the top front of their cars so you can't see the setup and and they're coming and looking at our cars and I'm thinking well you look at whatever you want to you won't learn anything because it's completely different to everybody else's cars so it just amuses me a bit but i guess it's the game yeah and and to be honest with you, as a commentator, I'd probably be uh, expressing that story as much as possible as well. Because it's all <laughs> part of the show, as you know. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, then, of course, it got really intriguing is that the Swift name, which is just, you know, it is a big name in, in Formula Fords, went through a very weird time. American owned to start with. Then it was over in Norfolk. Then it was down in Plymouth. Um, and, you know, sort of past the baton being passed time and time again. You uh, caught wind that they were struggling a little bit and you were like a rat up a drainpipe to go and obtain the name. Well, it sort of fitted in with what we were doing because we hadn't done a new car for a few years. We were looking at doing a brand new car around that time. And then the Swift, I knew that Swift was in, in serious trouble. Um, so we sort of thought of it and it and it was actually looking like it was going to be cheaper for us to buy Swift out rather than reset up everything we needed to set up. Um, so we had to make a lot of changes. Uh, we 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 probably did it in fairness. Looking back in hindsight, we did a little bit wrong because uh, there was there's a lot of things behind the scenes there that uh, weren't declared with it. So without oh, trying to get technical, but it it was a lot harder than it officially you know than it appeared. Um, but it, it was a good step for us. But that's why we changed the name. We what we decided to do was combine a Swift name with a Cooper name, and that's where the Swift Cooper came from. Um, and it, it meant that people knew that. Because we'd been in the business a long time, longer than Swift had, in fairness, and people right. knew that we were honest, or hopefully they thought we were honest, and then it, it meant that they, they trusted us, so we could then go down that route, and then it, it brought a bit of stability to it. Um, and and it, it clearly is intriguing, because it was it was reading back on this story that I'd kind of, I'd largely forgotten, because for me, it was Swift Cooper. That was what I was thinking, was Swift Cooper, so it, it's amazing how that that kind of works and it's only when i read the story that it's like oh yeah of course it was it was different so it was clearly a good move yeah it was the right thing to do it, it was a, a little bit of a shame that it was just after we bought swift out that um they stopped that formula ford changed and it started becoming one make which then meant really the market had disappeared and in fairness the swift market was mainly in europe there wasn't really that although there was a lot of cars ended up in england most of uh, most of the cars sort of from the from the ZTEC area, which is the next version of Formula Ford from the Formula Ford 1600, it, most of our cars went abroad because everybody in Britain wanted them free, but abroad you could sell them. Right. So, <laughs> so most of our cars went abroad. 
Well, it makes sense. I mean, what's the they say? The first sign of insanity is keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. But uh, and so yeah. it, it just made sense to go and do something different. It's it's a it's a wonderful name. It now means that uh, that that you run a, a team with the number of cars that they that, that isn't necessarily all just Swift Coopers, though, is it? I mean, obviously you've got like Alan with his Nike and what have you. So you you guys run other people's cars for them as well. Yeah, we've we've um, we we prefer to run. Uh... What we what we decided to do is if it's a modern car, we only want to run the Swift because that's obviously our manufacturer. But yeah. if it's an older car, i.e. a Class B car or, or older than older than that, then we're quite happy to. And and Alan and, and I know you love Alan's car. Mm-hmm. Now I've, Alan actually ran with us in, in the mid eighties in uh, initially in an, in an old Royale, and there's quite a story behind that as well. But he's such a character. He's he's one of again he's one of the nicest people you'll meet. 100%. But. Uh, but Alan, Alan, Alan has approached me and said, "Look, I'm thinking of coming back to racing." So I, I had a, sort of took a step back. I just thought, "Really?" <laughs> and, then, and then he told me about the car, and that, and then he showed me the pictures of the car, and um, we went up to see it, and it was such a gorgeous-looking car that uh, you know Alan fell in love with it. I fell in love with it, and it, and it was uh, uh, Alan's one of those people that if he wanted us to do something or, and wanted us to run him, we'd, we'd never be able to say no to him. Um, cause we, we're, <laughs> yeah. he, you know, he's been a very, very good customer, but he's, he's one of my closest friends as well. So it's been great having him back on board again. Oh, it's great to have him back in the paddock in general. Let's not kid ourselves. But I mean, the success you've had over the years, I mean, I'm going to go from 29 backwards is that, uh, 2019, uh, Luke close to the, to the Coombe championship again, but certainly with, uh, one champion of brands class B champion with Paul Mason class D champion with Alan Slater, Luke, obviously winning, uh, the overall, um, in, in 2018 class B champion again with Paul Mason, uh, you know, Luke coming third in 2017 national formula Ford class B champion with Luke in 2015, you know, and that's just on one page and we could go even further that, you've got the pedigree that you've won classes and championships and I don't get the impression that the hunger's getting any less. It's, str- it's strange that is actually because it's a, we're probably as hungry to win now as we ever were. Um, but you still need the right package for it and you need the right drivers as well. Um, but we've, we've been lucky because we've been, the first championship we won was in 84 and then we won in 85 again. We got another championship, then 86. Um, but the daft thing is the budgets we were getting from drivers back then is actually as high as the budgets we can get from drivers now, which shows how how competitive the costing of Formula Ford is to what it used to be. That that yeah, that makes it tough, then, isn't it? That it's very it? hard to make it make it pay as as a as a team now, because um, people don't want to spend the money, and if they do have the big budgets, they tend to go and do something like Formula Four, um, which is which is really silly money. The thing with Formula Ford is you learn so much with it so much from it drivers would be much better off spending a year in that and learning a lot more for a fraction of the cost and then moving on to the formula four or something like that because it's um the driving standards and the caliber of drivers you've got in formula four 1600 is just fantastic and, uh, and they won't get that caliber of driver in, in formula four in fairness that's they're still learning agreed and, and we were saying about that that this is such a you know you and i alan have had this conversation many a time uh whilst at the racing school and what have you sat um over a breakfast bap or whatever and yeah. mean, and i you know i'm a staunch believer that this formula ford is an absolutely vital step for drivers trying to step up through not necessarily just single seaters luke obviously you know still starting to think gt is a, is a possibility for future careers even gt drivers to to learn the mechanical grip it's a priceless championship to enter, priceless formula to enter. 
Well, when you look, if you look at a lot of touring car drivers, they all started in that in the single seaters as well. They've, they've tended what tends to happen when they realise they can't make it to Formula One, they tend to then float off to the, to the saloons and the GTs. Yeah. But what has changed now is a lot a lot of people are making the careers out of just doing saloons because that's with the touring cars and things like that. And the saloon cars have become much more high profile than it ever used to be. Yeah. Um, so now you're getting a lot of drivers that don't even look at single a lot like single seater drivers never looked at saloons. What you're getting now is a lot of saloon drivers just concentrating on the saloons and going up that route. So, so it, it works both ways now. But doesn't it sort of speak volumes? Is the fact that you know every everything else when when the marketplace, let's call it, has moved on, that has been the death now for that. But Formula Ford 1600s still going strong even to this day. When officially. People would try to say, oh, it's now Formula 4, it's Formula 3. It's, you know, they tried to enable something else as Formula Ford for a while, didn't they, of course? They did, the... yeah. Um, but not a chance. These, these things are still going. The Swift Coopers, the Ken, uh, you know, engine, whatever, they're still going strong as championships. Yeah, yeah very much. And I, and I think so many, so many people, as in sort of up in a hierarchy of motorsport, have tried to stop Formula Ford 1600 because it's been so popular because they want to bring something else in. But what's happened is they always bring something else in and it will do well for a year or two. Then it fizzles out and then, and then they've still got Formula Ford 1600 in the background. You just need to look at some of the big meetings at the end of the year. Walter Hayes, for example, Oof. we get over 100 cars in it. There's no other championship that can do that. No. And the festival is now getting back to strength of 60, 70. And the Castle Coombe Carnival, which I believe they're looking at sort of bringing back in at the end of this year, everything goes right. Then, you know, the grids on those always used to be massive. Uh, absolutely and and we know it's always fun to do it if, if any of you watching have never been to Silverstone at the end of the year normally what's it the first weekend of November normally isn't it God knows what it's going to be this year obviously but um, it, the, the Water Haze Festival I was I was shocked I found the Water Haze late I'd already started commentating and got to know the likes of Luke and 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 Stephen Jensen was racing then, and the Higginses and and Nathan Ward, all of those kind of lot, and got to know you guys well in the paddock from my commentary. And they were suddenly talking about heading off to this Walter Hayes thing. Even as a racing fan, it had passed me by what this thing was I, I, to the point that I hadn't really heard of it, let alone its magnitude. Oh, okay. I'll go along and do this. And and one of the privileges of what I do is it meant I could go up there and uh, and and James managed to get you know sort of said there you go. There's a ticket. Come and have a look and caught up with everybody. That was it. Hooked. It were. It is just phenomenal as a driver, Luke. It just must be not just as a competitive thing, but the atmosphere is incredible. I went and sat in the BRD B, BRDC grandstand overlooking what would that be um Luffield and and, and all of that Brooklyn, section. yeah yeah um and every time they're coming around the crowd are on their feet cheering and shouting and, and and I've been told that you drivers even get to sense that in the car as well yeah and one of my favorite things when I'm not racing is being going and watching the other races can join in with that atmosphere because it's it is such a such a great atmosphere it, it, it genuinely is, and and so anybody who hasn't been there, go and do it. It's it's a phenomenal thing. Over two days, were well, you guys there, Alan? You're working hard for about a week, I think, aren't you? Yeah, we normally go up on the Tuesday to to get everything set up, and then uh, some of the teams tell. We generally, depending on your driver's budget, a lot of teams will test on the Wednesday, 
but uh, we tend to work out we test the wednesday thursday and the friday the car's worn out by the time we get to the race so we try and restrict it a bit but but yeah no it's it's and normally it's a week straight after the formula ford festival and the yeah. formula ford festival is caught kind of a got a bit of a, a reputation for causing a lot of damage so you normally end up working a few all-nighters before you get to the water haze and, and I, I, I remember I used to think that that was weird that they would do that. But the point being, again, for anybody who hasn't been, won't necessarily know this, the international presence is massive. They're coming over from the States, from around Europe, every, New Zealand, I think I remember seeing, all over the shop. So it makes sense that they're back-to-back because -back they'll be over for the two. It is heats, there's last chance, there's semi-finals, there's a, then a big final for the winner of this big, big trophy it is just a, a, a cracking event, isn't it? I mean, I guess you guys are still hoping that that's going to happen this year. I think that the, the rumours are it's still going to go ahead. Um, and we're hoping, and the, 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 the dates are set at the moment, but whether they all change because of the every other meeting, because all the Grand Prix are changing and the touring cars are all changing, that will have a knock-on effect to all of the club racing as well. So, um uh, but we think it's still scheduled for that time, and let's hope we can. Let's hope we get together before that. But let's hope for, at least we able to get the end of year meeting sorted. But you're right. The, there's so many top drivers come from the festival of Walter Hayes, and they come over from America, Australia, New Zealand, everywhere they come from. And if you look at you look in America, and you look at a lot of the people in the in the top championships they got over there in IndyCar, you look at the winners recently. You'll be amazed how many of them have done the Formula Ford Festival in the last six years, and the Walter Hayes in the last six years. Well, the, the uh, Formula Ford Festival at Brands Hatch has always been massive. Like you say, it kind of caught a cold for a little while. It's now coming back to its fore. But the point being is that even in uh, um, in the Kentigan, for example, they've got the winners of the uh, of the Formula Ford Festival over the years. And it's been drivers that have made their way into Formula One. And it is a big deal that you win the Formula Ford Festival. I think from probably it's not rated quite so highly in England at the moment because, as you said, it's been for a bit of a bad patch. But it is coming back strong now. But for foreign drivers, the one event they want to win is the Formula Ford Festival. That, that's the one at the top of their list. Yeah, I mean, it's a good name. It's going to do it. Incidentally, I said that someone would uh, pick me up and give me the information I'd forgotten. Thanks, Nathan Ward. He's reminded me it's Greg Thornton is the historic F1 race that I mentioned. And he was due to race in, uh, in our Formula Ford Championship. You, I, I, did you notice that, Alan, on the entry list? Yeah, I, did, I, did, so I didn't, didn't realise it was the same one, but I did see the name. Yeah. It is, it is, and I know that because if you look at the team, it is his team, and he's a he's a larger than life character. That's uh, fair to say. But I've had the pleasure of sort of uh, crossing swords with him a few times uh, when he's at the uh, FIA Formula One, historic Formula One. Great guy, great driver, and it was such a uh, a compliment that we were getting someone like that uh, there as well. I've gone to the bottom of our questions because I want to see some that may have come in to uh, to ask you, Alan. Uh, oh, there we go, David Vass. Hi, Alan. I remember when you and Martin arrived to race at Coombe all the way from Cornwall with your cars in a horse box. <laughs> Whoops, showing your age again. <laughs> uh, I think I think Dave might be showing his age because it, it wasn't actually a horse box. It was a converted coach. Looked like a horse box, but it was actually a converted coach that, that we bought, ripped the seats out of. And we used to sleep. We put a couple of beds in it, slept in it and cut the back out and put the cars in the back of the coach. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> I bet you're sad that that's gone now, really. Well, I, that that coach uh, <laughs> that gave us a few um, uh, nervous trips, that coach did. <laughs> I remember one time we had the gear, the gear linkage broke on it. So we had, uh, my father was driving it and uh, me and my brother were sat in the middle. We'd picked up the front uh, the panel in the middle of the, of the coach to lift it up so we could get to the gear linkage. 
And then ADL clutch down, we go down with a mold whip and try and change gear with all the props on it, driving and flying around, and then get a gear and then clutch back up. And uh, we had some uh, momentous trips in that. in that. I was quite glad to see the back of it, in fairness. <laughs> and they're obviously stories that have been shared because, Luke, even you shook your head at that, and you must have been too young to really have been in that, presumably. Yeah, that was long before I was born, but I yeah. have heard many, many stories. <laughs> <laughs> I could just tell from your reaction, it's like, oh no, not that. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I love this as well. Uh, David Vivian says he's still got his Swift SC92, one of the best chassis. Yeah, we, we've still got the one because the 92 we've got, which is the one Luke raced, um, we've still got that. I, I just refuse to sell it because it, it's one of my favorite cars. And uh, I raced it, Luke's raced it. It's won Coombe Championship a few times, it's won uh, one class B quite a lot of times, and it's probably probably the most successful um race car built in fairness is that that we actually built swift actually built 52 of those 92 cars so there's an awful lot of them out there uh, okay uh just picking up i've just noticed by the way apologies chris mason i know you've put an angry face on there i hope that that doesn't mean i've said something wrong apologies if i have but uh, just picking up on uh, going backwards now, because I kind of jumped forwards uh, whilst because uh, I know that some would have added in. No, I'm not going to ask that one. I was going <laughs> to just stir up a little bit there. Um, good, good question. Probably both of you. Uh, I don't know whether this is more at loop. Thomas Parker said, how old do you have to be a junior carter? Uh, to race at Castle Coombe, you have to be 10 years old, um, looking more on a national level and other championships. Um, they have Bambinos and things like that where you can start from as young as five. So it's, uh, I remember depending... commentating on that at, uh, oh, what's the kart circuit near me? It begins with S, Shennington. Shennington. And the Bambinos were there and... I was like, what? Because you've got these <laughs> tiny little dots in helmets and race suits. And it's like, oh, my God, that's just crazy. And they were out and they were amazing. They're just still absolutely incredible. Um, picking up on something else, we talk about age there. And I don't know what, what you guys uh, uh, are prepared to say on this, but there's a general feeling that it would be helpful if you could be younger to race in the Formula Fords. Yeah, that, that's um, we're arguing that one out with Motorsport UK quite a lot um, because in in Formula in, in Formula Four you can race at fifteen. So um, and there's a lot of things coming in to try and start drivers at fourteen. The reason the reason that Formula Ford can't at the moment is because they have the space frame chassis which is made out of metal, and the FIA won't sanction racing for youngsters unless it's a carbon tub, which is obviously very expensive to build. Mm. Um, but it's been proved in tests, in crash tests, that the space frame chassis is strong, if not stronger, than the actual carbon fibre. But um, but we haven't managed to convince them yet, even even with the right results on the crash test, so we still haven't managed to prove it yet. Well, I know, and someone else I'd love to get on here as well on the show, Kevin Mills, obviously a very successful driver and team boss as well. Um, sort of like that extended family uh, going back is that we, 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 you know, so many names that are just uh, linked to our championships there. And uh, Kevin and I have talked in the past, he's saying the biggest problem, and I think you and I have as well, Alan, in saying that because they can start in Formula 4, Luke, we were saying about, you know, not missing this formula and jumping straight into wings and slicks. And they're saying the problem is if they waited to do Formula Ford, 
they've probably lost two, maybe three years that they could yeah. have been progressing because they've got to wait another year before they can get in a Formula Ford where they could have been in a Formula Four. Then they've got to do that at least one year, so that's another year. So you're two, maybe three years that you've suddenly lost and everything's happening younger these days. Yeah, I think that's a lot of the problem because when you see people like Verstappen going into Formula One at the age he did, that probably hasn't helped a lot of youngsters coming through because they feel they've got to start so much younger. But there is there is a little bit of a change coming with that because there is a there is a few uh, a few sort of changes that might be coming in where people are going to be allowed to test. There's going to be some special test sessions. I don't know if they're still going ahead now because it's all changed with the, the lockdown and everything. But there is a plan for some test sessions around different circuits where 15 year olds. 14 year olds might be able to actually start testing formula ford 1600 so that's a bit of a step forward but it's sort of a probably let the cat out of the bag a bit but that's what everybody's working on at the moment it's a step in the right direction anyway isn't it and it and it just keeps that alive so i i, I like that idea that's that's really good uh i'll ignore those messages because they're congratulating the current mrs Dawson for bringing me another gin yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> uh I don't know what this is. I'm going to put it up just in case it's a good one. Tom Large, I don't know if you guys know him. I'll give you a race round your dad's track with you in the rental Formula Ford. No, not quite sure I follow that one. No, me neither. Formula That's Ford, fine. Formula Ford probably wouldn't get round there very easily. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and he, he may be actually mixing with other people. Um, Tony Dixon, who of course is the driver of Swamp Thing, the big monster truck. He says, what max RPM does your car run? So the Formula Ford max you want it to run really is about 7,000. Um, it will go beyond, but that's damaging the, the engine. I mean, they, they, they don't have limiters on them, but generally if you're going over 7,000, you're going to start doing some damage. Yeah, because they're good, they're good sort of noise, good screamer engines, aren't they? But within within limits, I guess, yeah. Yeah, you, you also sort of change the gear ratios to make use of where the power is. And the power in a Formula Ford engine disappears after about 6,000. So sort of 6 to 6.4. So although you'll run it higher, that's not where the power is. So you gear it to try and use the power of the engine. Got you. That makes sense. Uh, Chris Mason has said Tom is sleeping. Probably. Probably. I've given him <laughs> excuse and he probably is. Um, I, and I love this. And this is a sentiment that so many people, uh, one of the mighty orange army, Becky Hill, dilly dilly, uh, fingers crossed, we may be able to wear orange again. Uh, thank you, Tom. So thank you for the, uh, the, the effort that he's putting in at the circuit. And so many of them are, as I said earlier, don't suddenly go, it's happening. What I'm saying is that he's busy and they're all busy because I mean, saying that, uh, Alan, the Motorsport UK thing that came out the other day is like it's really encouraging and they've got an impossible job. So I'm not getting at them, but it kind of didn't really say a lot and left a lot up for debate and question, really, and, and interpretation, I think, as well. Yeah, they're all scared to commit to anything at the moment because sort of the, the, the government's guidelines are sort of changing a little bit as we go along. Um, so it is taking time to get it right. But it's also the fact that when it does come back, there's so many things they have to put in place because of uh, with all the social distancing and everything. It's going to be it's not going to come back in one big sort of rush. It's going to come back gradually. But everybody's still got to be ready for. It. And in fairness to Motorsport UK, they are trying to do a lot of work behind the scenes to make sure that kind of thing is in place. And at the end of the day, they have to give the permit out to be able to do it. Now, we, we all want to go back tomorrow, but it's not going to happen. It's going to take time. Um, and in fairness to Tom, he's working very hard to get it all sorted as well. But there's, there's a lot to do behind the scenes. 
and that's the key point is that um you know we can't suddenly get to the 30th of june and motorsport uk go okay actually do you know what it looks good enough we're going to give you a permit for permits now from the 1st of july no one's going to be set up to be able to do that unless they start drip feeding this info that says look it's possible we could be able to do so suddenly tom and everyone else that's working so hard at castlecombe circuit they've got to start planning that it may do but the sad thing is is that these guys might be doing all this work and then it might not do no, well, it's, uh, there's no racing can go ahead until the MSA or Motorsport UK is, is now actually give us the per, give the permits out. Until that happens, nobody can restart. But I think I think we might see a few races in July. I'm, I'm not sure where, but um, yeah. I think I'm, I'm hoping that there'll be something starting to to move off. But I think it will be more August before anything really gets underway. But if thing the, the problem is it's if things stay, I guess keep improving like they are, we might be okay. But it only takes a little hiccup. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it'll all go back again. It's something none of us have experienced, so it is tough. Uh, Sam Cooper, I don't know whether that's any relation. I'm going to guess no, but uh, greetings from Germany. Is he a relation? Uh, no, he's actually Alan Cooper's son, who was actually talking a little bit earlier on here. Right. <laughs> Who's not you? Who's not me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, greetings from Germany. Luke, have you ever thought of doing a bit of hill climbing to improve your starts? He's given you some grief there. <laughs> Uh, I've never actually done a hill climb. I've I have thought about looking at doing one or two, but nothing's ever materialised to do something. But uh, it would be an interesting experience, definitely. Absolutely, and it's interesting. It says that if it's it's one of those things that then gives another transferable. I'm I'm, I'm going to say skill. That's not unfair. What he's it's, it's unfair what he's saying there. But if it's going to make even better, it's one of those things that's worth looking yeah. at, isn't it? G generally, people that come through hill climbing are always demons, demons off the start. I think probably the most successful driver to come through hill climbing was Andy Prier. Yeah. Um, okay. So there's, there's been quite a few people that have started off in hill climbing. Fair dues. Well, there you go. That's something that Sam's suggesting. Have a look at that. Um, good one, Tim Perry. Dilly dilly. Uh, couldn't you and Jason swap cars? Now, I don't know whether Jason's even got a car anymore, but let's assume that he still has one of his tin top cars and take them around Castle Coombe. So he, saying that, he's been out in Formula Fords. I've commentated on him in Formula Fords as well, so he's done it. But you go out in one of his tin tops. Does he even have one anymore? Uh, not anymore. He's got a Honda Integra, which he's used on a couple of track days. Um, but yeah, no, he's not got a race car anymore. Uh, I'm, not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure he'd ever let me drive his car, to be honest. <laughs> not he's still planning to drive it. <laughs> we, in fairness, we did try that before Jason sold his other car. And we said, look, we'll swap. You drive Luke's and he'll, Luke will drive yours. But he drove Luke's, but he didn't let Luke drive his for some reason. Oh. So. <laughs> oh. Oh, duly noted, Luke. We've got this card <laughs> mark there, mate. Don't you worry. We've got your back there on that one. We've got to see that. It'll be so good. I mean, is uh, I don't know whether either of you know this, and it would have been good to have uh, caught up with Jason, is that is, with things like the hot hatch running, is, is, does he get tempted to come back out in, in racing anything? Uh, I think he's tempted, and he's still involved. And he's still, he's still when he can get away, because he's obviously got his family commitments now as well. Yeah. But when he, when he can get away from... Uh, from from what he's doing, he often comes and helps uh, helps on the cars. He's a very talented engineer, Jason, as well as Absolutely. a talented driver. So um, uh, we, whenever we whenever we can make it, he often helps us run the cars in the national championship and comes along and helps out with, with all of that. So he's, he's still in touch, but but he's putting a lot of effort into his family life at the moment. So um, uh, well, and, and good luck to him. But I I think he still try. He normally tries to do a couple of races a year, but we tend to do them 
like most years, he's been doing about three Formula Ford races a year for the last few years, but he hasn't done them at Coombe. He's done them at Anglesey and Brands Hatch and things like that. He's done the festival a couple of times, a few races at Anglesey, and, and, and he did Donington, national rounds at Donington as well. So he, he still keeps his hand in. Um, didn't do anything last year, but he has he's still been keeping his hand in. Fair play. Can't argue with that. Uh, oh, good to see that Roly Hamblin's watching as well. Good to see you both looking good and hope the boss is back on her legs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not yeah, sure well, where to take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's because my wife had to have a second uh, surgery on her leg because she broke her hip and it all went wrong. So she had to go back in for another operation in January. But yeah. Yeah, thanks for the thanks for the comment, Rowley. Yes, uh, she's she's up and running, and she can get to the wine bottle very quickly now. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, welcome, Pippa Gore. Uh, uh, cooking as usual, waiting for the first meeting. Loads of goodies, absolutely. Uh, David Vass, we've read that one. Uh, I know we've got this, and I will just put it up, is that James Downton, will Summer Action Day go ahead? Watch this space. It is out of our control. We're trying to do whatever we can. Um, and uh, and we'll see. Uh, I, I don't know whether that means you've changed it. It's still showing that you did the angry face there, Chris. But, uh, I'll assume that that was by accident. What uh, Gerald said, what is the fastest lap you've recorded at Coombe, Luke? Um, the fastest lap I've done on a test day is a 1 minute 9.5. I think the fastest lap I did in a race was a 1 minute 9.6. But I think that's a question that you should answer with uh, your Formula 3 car. Yeah, I can, uh, I'm can. i sort of the only sort of claim to fame I've still really got left is uh, my fastest lap in a Formula 4 is actually 1 minute 4.2. But that was on the old circuit. Yeah. And true. I am one of the few people to have got around the circuit in under a minute as well in my Formula 3 car. So I'm, uh, I have been around there at a little bit of pace. Well, take us into that then, Alan. Give, give us a sort of a synopsis. What have you uh, raced and, 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 and done? Well, initially, I started with an old Merlin Formula Ford car, which was a 1969 car. Um, but at the time, my brother was a little bit like Luke and his brother. My brother was sort of five years older than me. So um, uh, he had to take the he, he sort of uh, took priority. So he would go and do the race. And then I would turn up with my old Merlin, which was sort of out of date even then. And they did have a separate class for it, which is used to be in those days be called pre-74. But I had to do the, the national races because that's where we were. So um, uh, it sort of it wasn't really competitive in that. Um, I did have a third in one of the races in a in a pre seventy four race that happened at Lydon Hill, um, and then I moved on to an RP twenty six, a Royale car, which is the same kind of car that, me, that my brother was running, and did a few races in that. Um, and then that's when it sort of moved forward because I that's when I managed to do a deal for one of those eighty three eighty four Reynards. And that was good. And I actually finished in the British Championships. I finished level with Johnny Herbert. So that wow. was a, he went on to much bigger and better things, mine. But uh, I was sort of there or thereabouts. And in that year, I was supposed to be doing Coombe. And that's the year my brother won the Coombe Championship. But he took over my car to do the Coombe Championship. So he used the car at Coombe and I used it in the national side. <laughs> so it sort of all got a bit sort of split from there and then went from there. So, um, yeah. And, and then I didn't, I've, what I've generally done is race for a few years and then stopped for a while. Right. And then come back. But I've normally come, I came back in 88, but I had to use sort of three different cars to try and do the championship because we were running the team as well. So you had to, whatever car was available, you'd use. Then I borrowed one from Keith Sprawls, who has done the GT series, and he used to run with us in Formula 4. So I borrowed his car one race, which, which is never really the right way to do it. Um, and then I stopped again for a while. Then I came back again in, in 91. But I had a big accident in 91 when I, 
I actually managed came into camp and actually went sort of into the sort of somersaulted and went over the barrier into the spectator bit there. So that, oh, that was wow. a bit of an interesting accident. Um, and since then, I then I did do came back again in '95 in in a Swift then, which is before we owned Swift. And that's when we are. The first year I came back was quite good because I hadn't raced for ages. And that was the big year when Kevin Mills and Gavin Wills were racing. Um, and uh, with, there was three of us could have won the championship at the last round. Unfortunately, I put it in the barrier and they went on to, to sort of uh, fight it. And, and Kevin won it. And Kevin was an awesome driver then as well. And so was Gavin. But to be honest with you, even by that stage, it got to the stage where I was sort of doing odd little bits. And, and uh, the commitment they put into it was more way more commitment than I could do. And, uh, and they were both star drivers, in fairness. So, and, and then I, that's when I bought the Formula Three car and did a few races in that. What did you do the, with the Formula Three? I did what well, it was then called the ARP Championship. It's probably for I don't know what I think it's called the BRDC Formula Three now. It's sort mm -hmm. of changed a little bit. It's got it's had a few different names, but again, I could only do the odd race in it. And it's around that time when we bought Swift, and then I had to stop really completely then. So, um, because uh, you, you just had to put it you know, put the business first. And that was always the trouble when you were racing. Because Martin, my brother, he left the business in 88. So he disappeared long before any of that happened. Right. So he left a long time ago. So, but, and when I was driving, it was always, really, you shouldn't have driven because what you do is you spend, because we were running five or six cars at that point. So you end up getting all the cars ready and your car doesn't get looked at until the last <laughs> second. So generally it's not, everybody thinks your car gets the best, but what actually happens is it's the last one to get <laughs> touched. Yeah. So you never really have quite the, the right approach for it. And it's quite difficult. You're better off not racing, which is in the end what I decided to do. I thought, well, I can't do both. So and, I, and one, I'm a, one, it's costing me money and one, I'm earning money. So there was not much choice left. <laughs> Absolutely. Do, do you miss uh, driving anymore? Yeah, I, I did miss it. And I still miss it now. Um, and you still believe that you'd be competitive. Uh, I know I wouldn't be as quick as Luke and Jason and, and all the guys that are out there now. But I, I've still got an old Merlin in my workshop sort of down in the back corner that one day I want to rebuild, um, which I'll get to one day and rebuild it. And I'd like, I don't think I'd want to race it, but I'd probably get the bug again, but I'd like to do a couple of tests in it or something. Um, so I, I look forward to doing that one day in the future. Well, doesn't Alan Slater come into you with, uh, you know, to, to, to start racing and in that beautiful car, doesn't it get you tempted to go, well, maybe I could. Yeah, very tempted, but um, as the wife's listening, I won't say how tempted at the moment. I'll be honest and say I was getting nervous. If she was listening, she's going to call me a stirrer, so I'm getting nervous, actually. But <laughs> I will leave it there. That's a better one. I love this comment that's coming from Roly. is that he's actually said, uh, uh, that was my first race. It was just after you wished me good luck. Yeah. Not sure when he's referring to, but... Uh, uh, that, that, that's, when, uh, that's when I rolled the car, because... Right. Um, uh, he, he had Roly actually started in the racing school because he used to race model cars before he did uh, Formula Ford. And then he, he came on one of our racing school days, the same as the ones that you're involved with now, really enjoyed it. And then he ended up buying one of the racing school cars to actually start racing. And it was his, actually his first race. And we, uh, we'd just uh, overtaken Roly. And, and, it, uh, and he, I told him to be really good and best of luck. And the so next time he saw me, I was sort of about 20 foot in the air. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> Um, uh, you guys will probably, or certainly Alan, will understand this more. Andy Abrams says, Norton Fly Press, question mark, whatever that means. And didn't Ian Moore call his Formula Ford chassis a Swift in the 80s? Well, there's sort of two answers to that. Then Norton Fly Press was the engineering business we had in Cornwall. Oh. Um, so, um, and that's how, that, that's the sponsor we had on our cars when we first started in the early 80s. So that's where the Norton Fly Presses came from. We sold that business up 
um, to sort of go into the racing business effectively. Um, so that, that's when we moved up because originally I came from Essex and then I lived in the Midlands quite a long time. And then it was Cornwall and then, and, and sort of, and then eventually moved back up because Cornwall was too far to get to any race circuit. Yeah. So uh, we had, we had to find some else sort of somewhere else to be based. And that's when we moved up. And he's quite right that, uh, Ed Moore's dad, which is Ian, okay, uh, he yeah. actually did build his own formula Ford car. And that was called a Swift. There was no, no relation to the other Swifts, but he did actually call his car Swift in the eighties. So yeah, well, well remembered. That's some impressive, impressive knowledge there, isn't it? To be fair. Well yeah, done, yeah, no. It's, um, it's, uh, in <laughs> fact, um, uh, um, Ed did actually do a couple of races in that in one of the championships, probably about ten years ago now. He sort of rebuilt it and got it back out again and did a couple of classic races with it. Uh, probably longer ago than ten years now, thinking about it. But <laughs> but it was good to see it back out again. So um, yeah, no, no, it was a, uh, it was a, uh, well, because well, Ian was obviously racing when we started, so it, it was good to see his car back out. Yeah, the late great Ian's uh, from memory, isn't it? And uh, I think I think you find he's still around. Oh, is he? Oh no, sorry, it was Ed's <laughs> mum that passed away. Sorry, I remember that uh, that Ed's uh, mum and and he got uh, a podium just after that happened, and it was very emotional. It'd be great to see Ed Moore back uh, racing as well, but another one whose business uh, has sort of taken up all his time at the moment, or business is, because he's got the track day uh, and the, the, the uh, what's the helmet company he's got? Yeah, Ed, Ed runs sort of head tech and things like that. He started tech, up a watch business now as well. He's selling watches yeah. as well now, I noticed. So. Yeah, absolutely. Got a lot of stars wearing them. I don't know how he's managed it, but I've seen quite a lot of pictures of top stars wearing them, so he's obviously got some uh, some good input there somewhere. Like you said, Luke, is that the uh, people go on to big things once they've raced at Castle <laughs> <laughs> That's what it all is about. Uh, and, and just quickly before we wrap up, is that I kind of uh, uh, stopped. Is that Luke yourself? Is that we, you know, 2010 Castle Coombe young Formula Four driver. 2012, you won the Triple Crown in the uh, BRSCC Formula Four. That is Silverstone, Donington, and Brands. Brands. Brand. Yeah. So, if you manage to win all three of those in the same season, you win the triple crown. It's kind of like a championship within a championship. Yeah, it's, it? it's just a championship at those three tracks. Not win, um, which sorry, is points at each of those. Yeah, isn't it? yeah, sorry. And it's it's part of the national championship as well. But it's uh... it is. I always used to love that when when I'm com- covering that is that you've always got to be aware of the triple crown bit as well as the as the yeah, overall championship. It's, there's it's, quite it's a lot a... of drivers that only do the the triple crown. And that's a big deal. You know, these are the top uh, uh, circuits and that you managed to secure in 2012. So that's your third, I mean, your second full year of Formula 4s and you've gone and secured that. Yeah, and it was my first year in the, the modern car as well. Um, and it was a bit of a learning to start the year. But as we progressed through the year, we got quicker and quicker in it and ended the year pretty strong. I also come in third in the Formula Ford Festival, which is a brilliant result. I was about to say, yeah, third in the uh, Formula 4 Festival. So you like Brands Hatch clearly as well, judging by that. Um, First in the Bernard Baxter Trophy, the pre-90 cars in uh, 2014, Walters Hayes. So they've got sort of subcategories in there as well. Yeah, that was uh, an interesting year because I wasn't actually racing at the Walter Hayes that year. Um, But unfortunately, one of our drivers had an accident and then wasn't able to do the race. So I jumped in the Van Diemen 89 car which I'd not raced before and I actually managed to put it on the front row outright um, in the heat in the wet which was incredible and there's a lot of fast people in that heat unfortunately it dried up for the heat and I think I got overtaken by three cars on the street but it was a it was a, a great bit of fun doing that event in that car 
Well, clearly, because he still won the pre-90 bit. Then uh, 2015, so the year after that, is that you were Class B champion and the Class B record holder at Castle Coombe. So yeah. that was the first sort of like the first championship win because it's still, you know, Class B. So we get all the champions in the Class Bs. 2015, 2017, uh, you came third in the National Formula Four. Then it was 2018, as I say, that emotional year, albeit in smoking the infield uh, opposite our commentary box. <laughs> Sorry to remind you that, Alan. Um, yes. But <laughs> it is that you secured the coveted uh, Formula Ford championship that you'd been gunning for for years. Yeah, it was an interesting couple of years because we were developing that car from 2016 through to 2018. We had quite a few flashes of success in 2017 and it really came on strong in 2018 and it worked perfectly at Castle Kuma. We were able to take the championship. And fair play. And then uh, last year, we know that you pushed it close uh, for the championship. Um I'm going to say is that there was probably some harshness that that, uh, that that took it away from you, but you guys don't 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 need to talk about that. Um, champion of Brands winner though, you still managed to uh, to secure that uh, last year as well. Now, bearing in mind, uh, from my recollection, it was last year, wasn't it, that I saw you guys at Donington right at the beginning of the year, and I interviewed a very upset version of you, Luke, because the it was the engine that had gone. Yeah, so the engine got rebuilt from the incident at Coombe the previous year um, and we had a lot of problems with the engine and that was the first race back with it after it went and it went straight away again. So that put pretty much the whole of last year in into jeopardy really and we borrowed an engine to do the first couple of Coombe rounds. And yeah, Thomas Capazzoni's engine, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, and, I remember seeing that. And that, you know, that was the thing is it was a tough start, but then it came on really strong. You were in the hunt right to the end for the championship. And even in that sort of like, like the reason why I've just painted that picture is that we can put that in the tough year bracket and yet you still secure champion of brands. Yeah, I still won one of the champion of brands and I only did one of the national rounds that year. And I, I won the national, won one of the national races and was top point scorer in that round as well. So that was... Uh, a brilliant result because the engine went we weren't able to do the national championship and wasn't it last year that that also included to put under the difficult year was it over in ireland where you got kind of uh slammed off the circuit or was that no i think before? that was the year before i just remember uh, seeing that and that was just a shocker <laughs> that was that really was but statistically wise i know i'm stirring again aren't i sorry guys <laughs> statistically 20 formula ford wins 10 wins at castle coombe and over 60 podiums i mean and still going strong only 26 a lot more still to come it, it it's just that's why you've got to to take that confidence forward luke yeah definitely it's uh been really successful there's been lots of ups and downs um but hopefully we can continue it going and have more ups in, in the following years <laughs> No, I, I hope so, and we look forward to to seeing you uh, to seeing you back there. And it's great. Thank you for joining us as well, Alan. That's uh, it's You're welcome. Absolute pleasure to have both of you. Luke goes out saying thank you for coming in. Uh, the final note really has to go to your good lady. She's messaged in and has said, uh, "Great show, guys. I've just <laughs> finished the wine." <laughs> uh, oh, uh, I will just quickly put this up, but I don't suppose you know the answer. Colin, not I said, "Good show, chaps." Question for Alan: When do you think the race school will be able to run again? Uh, oof, I've got no idea. Um, 
I don't. We hope we are hoping we might be able to do something in July. But the trouble is with social distancing in the race school, you have to have people in the cars. So uh, I really, I really I don't know it. at the moment. It could be. I'm more expecting August. It's certainly not going to be June. Might happen July, but only if things really move forward quickly. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be a struggle all year, to be honest, because it's. Um, uh, it's, it depends what we're allowed to do by, by the government and everybody, because the best main thing there is we've got to make sure everybody's safe and we've got to have everything in place. And when you've got two people in the same car, that's they're quite close together. So um, some, of the, some of the karting side should be able to sort out because that's a, that's a situation where they're not in the cars with other vehicles, you know, in the cars with other people. So, But tuition, that's going to be hard. Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I was thinking. It's all a bit too close. Well, I'm going to just, I did kind of put it up a bit too early there, but here is uh, a lovely photo of uh, of the two of you. This was when you uh, got the Triple Crown, wasn't it, Luke? Yeah, Hence in 2012 at the BRCC Awards. And, yeah. and in fairness, that's a photo that has been repeated a few times, certainly uh, at the uh, at the awards and things like that. It's always uh, the two of you together, and it's uh, I love seeing it. You know that I'm close to my family, my dad and mum, and, and obviously the current Mrs. Dawes uh, bringing me the gin and, and everything else. So it's, I, just, <laughs> <laughs> I always get in trouble afterwards, by the way. But um, to see that is just lovely, and hence it's just so good to see you both there. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and we look forward to seeing you back at the circuit, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for having us on and really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks very much, Chris. And uh, let's look forward to everybody that's watching is getting back and watching some real racing at Castle Coom sometime in the future. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, guys. I'm going to put you down into the holding area. So stay there, guys, because I'll speak to you after we've gone off air. But I'm going to remove you from the stream so that I can wrap up the show. Thank you very much to the Coopers. And we'll put them out of there. And all of you are saying, great show. Take care, all of you. Thank you so much for watching us. I hope you've enjoyed it. It was nice to go single-seaters. We've still got many others that I want to get on this show. The hope is that we're going to be doing something on Monday, Bank Holiday Monday. Um, obviously, we should have been racing. We're all going to be missing the fact that we're not doing the Mayday Madness uh, meeting. And, and I'm not going to be in the commentary box calling it. And I wish I would. In fact, it would have been a busy weekend because I should have been at Silverstone Saturday, Sunday, calling... Brit Car, Caterham Graduates and the C124 Hour to then rush back and commentate at uh, Castle Coombe on Monday. But we're not. We're hoping to do some kind of show that's going to involve possibly some of you that are watching to just have a bit of fun. We were going to go a marathon full day thing and try and raise some money. It looks like that's falling through, unfortunately. We've not been able to get the commitments that we were hoping for there. But I'm going to try and see if we can do something. Heck, I might even get my daughter to come and co-present with us uh, or whatever it might be. Hope you've enjoyed tonight. I hope I get to see you. Keep your eyes peeled. It won't be Sunday as normal. It'll be Monday or it'll be uh, sometime after. We'll be back in touch. Coom TV is still going to keep going for, for a, a while longer yet, and I hope that's okay. Thank you so much. Alan Slater, good to hear from you. Absolutely brilliant. Well done, uh, Luke and Alan. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Stay sane. And keep uh, uh, drinking the water as well now that we got the sun. I know that we're all drinking more booze, but keep the water coming. For myself, have a very good evening. Oh, I'm just trying to press the right one. And I will see you all very soon.